Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you know that something is a little off when I'm starting this ordinary podcast for all of you on the free feed. But I'll take the opportunity, first of all, to say uh, you could you have to subscribe. Uh, it's getting ridiculous. You got to just pony up and subscribe. It makes our life a lot easier and you get extra podcasts and you get all sorts of other uh, goodies that you'll find out about if you go to weedafifth.substack.com. But the reason I am joining you before Camille yells greetings... <laughs> is I come to you as the Rosemary Woods of this uh, particular episode because there's a 20-odd minute gap um, that, you know, we, we, you know, we take the gap out, but in the middle of just a rollicking conversation, which starts off very grim, I'm sorry, things happened in Texas, a terrible, brutal, gruesome massacre, uh, we talk about that, and uh, but when we shift gears and the podcast gets a little um, less depressing, our equipment, and if you're a podcaster, by the way, the roadcaster is your enemy because it uh, ate up about 25 minutes of our recording, which, uh, you know, kind of, you can kind of hear it, but it's all snowy and awful. So we cut that bit out. Um, there's some really great stuff in there about, uh, you know, Aquaman and, and uh, Amber Heard's uh, new character that we, we created for her. You get a bit of that. But uh, just to tell you why, in the middle of it, you'll hear that transition music. And um, all of a sudden, Matt's halfway through a conversation about what happened in Georgia. But I assure you, what happened before that in the conversation was amazing. But it's actually, we agreed it was the best part of the podcast. But a technology company called Roadcaster decided to stab us in the back and take 25, 20, 25 minutes away from you and away from us. So without further ado, um, let's just get to the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, this is annoying. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast this is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle the people that make it and occasionally ourselves i am camille foster i do various things at a place called free think and oftentimes it, it takes me from one place to another unexpectedly and i just roll with the punches I'm, I'm a man who is in demand and who's needed in many places i have various talents and skills and ability um and they're they're really unparalleled in many respects in in, in certain ways i'm kind of like no, I, think mike tyson, I think they're paralleled the mike tyson of podcasting and i mean before like the incarceration when yeah, he was just yeah. like knocking yeah. people the fuck out. Um, like I'm the, I'm the guy knocking out Mitch Green in the street in front of, in front of Dapper Buster Dance. Douglas. Um, I'm not and, like uh, Buster Douglas. The Buster Douglas of this trouble. podcast, Matt Welch, editor yeah. of Large of Reason Magazine. <laughs> and the Joe Frazier of this podcast. Yeah. I think that's oh, man. Joe. Is that he a sings as good as Joe. Uh, Remember what? That's, Michael Moynihan of Vice News. Yes. Gentlemen, they would just have him singing the national anthem. He couldn't sing. Yeah, he couldn't sing. He couldn't sing at all. And they're like, oh, let's go get the guy with brain damage to sing the national anthem. I think I'm more like the Joe Lewis. I prefer to be Joe Lewis. Mm, than I do have Joe a, a Emmanuel Joe Lewis. Frazier glove at my uh, at my mother-in-law's house. I met Joe Frazier at really? a yeah. I met him at a conference many, 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 many years ago. You love conferences. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this was this was a telecommunications. I think conference. that's where you get about forty percent of your meals. You oh. eat mostly <laughs> at conferences. Uh, right? I don't go to quite so many conferences these days. You've, You've been, been going more to a conference today, this calendar well, year. Yeah. Well, you're I've flying been today it's to go to a conference. Half it's called a summit. 
So it's a yeah, little yeah, different. Yeah, right. I can't, I can't right tell now. anybody any details about that. Well, this is the thing. And then I go to the conference and then I find out, oh, wait, this thing I'm doing, this is not a secret meeting. This is on C-SPAN. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's then Megan Kelly is asking yeah. me questions about the shit that I just She's said. like, so you were hanging out with Clarence Thomas. I was like, you're hanging out with Clarence Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah was, uh, I mean, you know. It was doing shots with David Souter. <laughs> what do you expect? Um, but you guys were hanging out recently. You went to a baseball game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to keep from talking about the school. Jesus so, Christ, dude. So, I, I just yeah. want to... Can I make a pitch for why, actually, I said we should talk about this, and can I make a pitch for why we shouldn't, in a way? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that um, this horrible, horrible tragedy, I mean, like, unimaginable, mm-hmm. particularly when, for some reason, it, not for some reason, it's you kind of know that when you see the reporting that everyone died in the same room is Jesus. somehow so brutal and gruesome. I mean, even... I mean, it always is, but even more so in that with that context. Um, you know, it, I think that one of the things about it is that watching everybody on Twitter do the instant recriminations and trying to find a political angle and like it doesn't, you know, listening to some blue check mark, it doesn't solve anything. It doesn't move the ball. It doesn't prevent this from happening in the future. It doesn't, you know, assuage the horrible feelings of the people affected by this. Um, I just think, you know, I know everyone says almost a cliche at this point, but just back off for a little bit. Is mm-hmm. that okay? And, you know, particularly when it's like, well, no, I mean, if you, if we actually have this conversation, by the, we've been having this conversation for a very long we time. We always by do the way. it right after. We yeah, always do. We always do it. From Columbine, even before Columbine. But there are, you know, 350 odd, 60 odd million guns in this country. Well, that yeah. might be. They're not going away. That might be a, an and avenue to talk about, I think. I, uh, the person or the, the report that I've seen, the writing that I've seen that's been most useful uh, was David French over at the Dispatch. Uh, unsurprised. David is often valuable. Uh, very, and it doesn't matter if you agree with him or not. He's a big, uh, you know, he's a conservative constitutionalist um, and so a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. And his reaction was first of, you know, the same, although very kind of a literary almost uh uh, expression of outrage, which I think is absolutely uh, proper. Um, but then also it's like, hey, there is a thing that we can do. And his argument is that we can do red flag laws. And he goes in and before he gets to that argument, and again, it's not important if you agree with him or not on that. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying that this is, this is a useful piece, even uh, regardless of what your position is, because he goes down through a thing and points out, which is something that reason always points out in these cases, that a lot of the you know the bills, the background checks, or whatever the things that people call for in these moments, as applied, probably wouldn't, wouldn't have, have done been, a, yeah. a a damn thing to this or many other similar things. I mean, New York has red flag laws, and we had Buffalo shooting, right? Right, uh, and last week. Uh, but I, I was I was I finding myself a little bit somehow different. Maybe it's the kids in, in all in one room, and you know people. Are are putting them up on uh, on Twitter their pictures and their you know their Coco's age. It's it's, it's so it's it's it's, it's impossible to deal yeah. with, um, uh, and I I find myself um, less satisfied than usual with the with the with the with the usual and correct retorts of just saying mm-hmm. that like hey look there's 350 million guns we can't seize them all so come on or hey look there's this hey look there's that there's always sort of a nitpicky argument i think it's okay to have i don't think it's nitpicky. i think it's a good starting point though right I, and that's what, not, yeah. that's what he does that's what he does that's what i'm yeah. saying is that he goes through and says all right this is yeah i'm not saying throw up your hands because there's this many guns in the country right you know no, no I, I, 
I want I'm just uh, flagging that for later because I think that's kind of an interesting uh, point to uh, to get to. Um, but he walks through the various things, including linking to a piece that Glenn Kessler, the fact checker for the Washington Post, who's pretty good as uh, like probably best in that class uh, of a of a of a mm-hmm. questionable uh, use of uh, journalistic power. He went uh, <laughs> three or four years ago, I forget when, um, and uh, just in a fact-checky way, looked at common you know, bills or proposed solutions to, um, to massacres like this and tested them out per mm-hmm. massacre. And he's like, wow, I came into this as a strong gun control p- proponent. I come out of it having to look at facts, which says that most of these things don't work. So this is the the march that David French walks us through. And then he gets and he explains his red flag laws, why he thinks that this is different and that you know this they would have applied in this case. Mm-hmm. It's worthwhile if you're interested in having um, uh, you know changes in the law based on this uh, moment, this feeling of outrage and helplessness that you have um, to set yourself through that instead of just, you know, Steve Kerr banging the table, like do something. There's 50 senators, like the something doesn't matter. The there's, something, a of, there's a lot of do something. The something does yeah. matter. And if you're serious about it, find the people who are also serious about it. Those things, those expressions are helpful more than as I've seen in places like praying for conservatives to die because they have blood on their hands. Or, or that usual rea- reaction when people say I'm praying for this and they're, you know, right-wingers who love the Second Amendment. And the it's just so boring. It's the same response. It's mm-hmm. like, we don't need your prayers. We need this. And it's like, nobody like has a cynical response to thoughts to and prayers is, is like so, is yeah. so maddening. I, I, we it just, was once clever, one yeah. time. <laughs> we, we, literally, we literally just had this podcast in some respects because just, yeah. we just talked about buff, the um, Buffalo yeah, yeah, shooting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, also 18-year-old boy. And, yeah. and I, I'll say again, like the thing that I always find most distressing is just the abuse that we heap on one another after these things it's happen. True. Yeah. Like it, the, the carnage, the human loss, like the families that are suffering, like that's brutal and that's part of it. But yeah. in terms of our response, like the most awful thing is just the way that we just, we just tear each other down in the most ridiculous ways. Like, I don't think you can actually believe that there are any conservatives who are thinking to themselves, yeah, you know what? You're a couple of kids, but I just I love my guns and this is the price of doing business. Or as someone I saw a tweet out earlier you know, there's some conservatives who who are, you know, perfectly fine with a little bit of um, bloodshed in these schools because it helps to bring about the end of like public schools. And it's just maybe there's an asshole like that that that, it, that exists. I just don't I, I can't say I've ever met him. I don't know yeah. who that monster is. Yeah. Most people there's some, there's some nut are hurting there, as yeah, a result of, sure. of this stuff. But I see like uh, they're not Matt, all Paul Gossar, who is a real <laughs> piece of garbage. Wow, yeah. but, but I saw like Matt Iglesias tweet something and I, I was inclined to like, like it straight away where he said, you know, for all America's problems, like this is still a place where people want to come, where they want to be. They want to live here because it's a it's an amazing country. And people were were going after him for expressing that sentiment after the shooting happens as if he's trying to to dismiss the horribleness of the shooting itself i think it's also that I, they're they're I, trying why? to why here's why is because they can see the machinery going on or they think that they see machinery going on on his head which is that big tragedy happened everyone's freaking out they're going on twitter 
what can I do right now to inject myself into the conversation? I think that's what people feel like he did in that moment. And yeah. I think that a lot of people are doing that in that moment. And and I can't stress this enough for those of you who are still stu- stupid enough to look at Twitter like me. Um, <laughs> the first thing you do, make sure that you're not seeing top tweets. Make sure that you're seeing it in chronological order um, so that you don't have the algorithm feeding you outrage advice, yeah. into, your, hmm. into your face. I need to change that. <laughs> Um, not, but also, I'm not going with that. I want the outrage. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't. It, it 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 makes it makes one focus too much on that stuff. But also recognize when people are when well, you can see the the opportunism, the the meme lords like saying, "Aha! This is a moment mm-hmm. I can make a an outrageous point and and uh, and try to attract attention to myself or my cause." That is such disreputable behavior and to your point Camille, which is the point um it, it is designed to make us feast off each other that's i i just find that to be such an inhuman response to a thing um I, the thing is difficult to respond to especially in terms of policy and a bunch of other stuff and then just the emotion of dealing with it um but those people who are who are leaning into that sense of performance um, and uh, including outrage at people who are doing that. Um, just it's okay to step away. It's okay. I mean, it was a weird tweet for sure. Timing was, I was like, what is I mean, but I always think his tweets are weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of weird. I'm like, what is going on? You got to get him on. It's time to get him on. I don't know. I, I mean, it hit me, it hit me as the right, as the right message for that moment. I, I, I suppose at a moment like that, I am like looking for silver linings and I am looking yeah. for something to make me feel better. Like honestly, like I watched the basketball game yesterday. Like before Steve, yeah. the, the basketball game where Steve Kerr gives this speech and he talks about how he doesn't want to play basketball tonight. Like mm-hmm. He just he just doesn't feel like it and he's not there. And you know what? I get that response. I also get the response of, you know what? Yeah. Play ball. Like play ball. Like let's get lost in this for a moment. Like the tragedy happened and it doesn't mean that I don't take it seriously and I'm not interested in doing something about it. Um, but I also happen to know that the the kind of grieving, the 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 sackcloth and ashes routine that's playing out on Twitter and the like Lynch Matt Iglesias and I know I like to use that word because I know that it's loaded <laughs> yeah, but it's appropriate thanks. what um, Iglesias like yeah. I know, exactly very loaded that word Iglesias <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I know that that isn't going to produce any any meaningful results and will save yeah. no lives um, and I, I'm I keep I have a very strong inclination to share stuff about this experience that I had recently um, that you guys know about that is very much adjacent to these like mass shootings oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. in the sense that I had someone in my family yeah, yeah, who yeah. was quite close to me, who very nearly became one of these people. Mm. And, and you were personally the red flag law. You, you, yeah, you raised the red flag. Never talked about it publicly, but yeah. 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 People can't, people who have never been through it cannot imagine like what is required. Yeah. Like what it, what it demands of you personally to get involved in a situation like that, to get law enforcement involved to the extent that's necessary, yeah. to oftentimes to run afoul of the sentiments of your many family members, not merely the person who is directly involved, the actual jeopardy that it could potentially put you in because there is a dangerous person who, in that particular case, had actually already perpetrated acts of violence. It was just mm. unknown to most people that this was the person who was responsible. Um, and in many respects, even talking about it now, it's not completely resolved. Mm. Like there is some peril that is still remaining. And it's been, it's been four years, yeah. Um, yeah. actually more than four years. Um, so if we were having sophisticated conversations about the things that actually contribute to mass shootings, 
um, the the actual like the the mental health crisis in this country. I think that's a legitimate word um, to use in that particular context. The the difficulty of actually getting help to people who need it, of assessing whether or not someone is genuinely a danger to themselves mm-hmm. or others. And the actual just, especially for young people and young men in particular, perhaps, like the, the difficult like angst of just growing up in the kind of society that we live in today, of feeling isolated, not having someone you can turn to. Um, like in a very isolating moment, too. It's absolutely. So I, years much more absolutely. Like, it, I saw it only makes sense that we're seeing these things be super Yeah, I wonder now. if that is, if there is a you know, correlation, this is not causation, but you know, I think that if people ask more questions rather than being on Twitter and, and making these uh, very certain pronouncements about what would have prevented something, it, it, I think it's very valuable for people to say, preface everything saying, I don't know the answer to this because if anyone did, this stuff wouldn't happen. Nobody wants this to happen. I would hope that nobody wants this to happen. But, you know, looking at it and you're saying, God, again, this is happening, you know? And there is something going on here that if, let's pretend that we say, this is not a practical thing. This is why it's so performative when you say we need to get rid of these assault weapons. Um, because, you know, you can get, it, it, these are not guns that are terribly different than any other semi-automatic gun. They just look mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. for the most part, right? So if if we say that let's, we want to get rid of those, let's pretend that we want, that we can actually do something about this and these are a class separate um, and it's just a thought experiment and we could get rid of them. We still have the issue of people wanting to do this sort of thing, right? And, and, you know, we do have a societal problem still if people want to do these things and they don't have access to the tools. That would be great if they didn't. I mean, I would pray that that would be – and I'm not allowed to do that. And I'm also not somebody who's religious, so I don't pray. But, you know, yeah, I mean, that kind of thing. Like, if we could get them out of hands of people like that. We still have to then, you know, that's why when you say, I'm for gun control, I'm mm-hmm. against control, mm-hmm. Second Amendment, fuck the Second Amendment, repeal the Second Amendment, and saying, well, it's just mental health. It's not mental health, it's access to guns. It's like, you know, it's a lot of things. That's and exactly then when you right. take that gun away from somebody, you still have a kind of moral poverty that has overwhelmed a number of young people, mm-hmm. and they seem to be 18 years old, and the kind of disaffected child of the 1950s strikes me as very different as the disaffected child of 2022. And if you look back, if you look at something like, you know, there are gun laws and gun things and blah, blah, blah. And I leave that to people who actually know about that stuff. That's one thing I, you know, try to maybe, you know, be speak about things I know about a little better than others. It's never been an issue of mine that I've been really interested in. I actually was once assigned a book by a newspaper um, and I've talked about the book Living with Guns by a liberal journalist who said, okay, they're here. What do we do about mm-hmm. them? Mm-hmm. And I said, no, actually, I don't think that I'm the right person to review this. I, I don't have this kind of background, despite the fact that I think the book is interesting. But, you know, when you take, you also have to look at, you know, Christchurch. New Zealand is not a place full of, I mean, Andres Breivik in Norway, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's, I, I still am interested in the people to go on mass stabbing attacks because great, they don't have access to the guns. Don't they call that Friday night in Scotland? I, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. God. They just call it Scotland, period. Yeah. Um, in other places. It's yeah. Christmas. But uh, London. Uh, but, you know, I mean, if you yeah. have these things, I mean, why is this happening is not an answer that you can offer an opinion on on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to do that in a very long, 
like piece of like excavation of data and of all sorts of studies and you know the changes and what has happened between sort of 1960 50 70 and now and people always get angry too when you bring up um chicago in places where there's mass killings every weekend. So I think there was 50, just slightly lower than 50 shootings this weekend or 50 people shot. I find it so odd that people get like, They get mad when you bring it up. weird about that. Yeah, and it's contexts. not about, it's like, is, is it, what is, you know, is it better in a sense when the shootings are, you know, older people, not in schools? I think, yeah, in a way it is different. It's, it's materially different and I react differently and I think there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's di- people react differently and this is a, a, a horrible truth um, that I've spent decades kind of railing against in the journalistic realm. Um, but they, it, if it happens to a neighborhood you don't have any relationship oh, with, for sure. then, True. Yeah. Then, yeah. then it's fine. I yeah. mean, I, we used to uh, read the 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 murder roundup on page B three or B five of the LA Times growing up and it was like, okay, let's let's see how many paragraphs they give to Compton this time. This is back when Compton was scary. It's yeah, much yeah, less yeah. so now. Um made, they specifically made movies about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it'd be like the it's the, it's the it was the murder paragraph. Uh yeah, they're yeah. like uh, oh yeah over the weekend there was like seventeen murders in South Central LA. Um but if mm. there was one mm. uh you know uh sweet looking Asian American student caught in a drive by it, in Westwood and UCLA back when Jeez, that was a nicer place yeah. then that's front page news for months and that was always the case um, and it drives me nuts uh, but that I think that totally informs the Chicago conversation but isn't it in some way and again this is you always have to preface it that you're kind of spitballing and I haven't given a ton of thought to this stuff you're thinking on your feet but that's what the podcast is all about um, in some ways it's even more worrying when you see you know hundreds of hundreds of shootings a year in a place like Chicago by people who do not have traditional mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this kid, you know, who, who killed these people in, um, in Texas, one of his friends, one of his very few friends, um, said he showed up one day with cuts all over his face and yeah. said, this cat scratched me. And then he admitted that he was cutting himself with a knife on Self, his face. Self mutilation. But it's cutting tip- your own face. It's typically on your arms. That's yeah, very common on arms. I mean, I've seen it. I know a lot too. of people's legs. And on the face is like, that's, you know, you're going to end up looking like seal. I mean, what is this? Like, on scars on your face is I mean, insane. Even, at, even as you crazy. talk about it, like, I get, I get goosebumps. Ugh, I, I just, yeah. and I, we text about this earlier, and I just have such a hard time. I have a hard time putting myself in the shoes of someone who reads a story that includes details like that yeah. about a kid that is going through like that sort of severe like mental health crisis and thinking, God, if only we could like just you know ban all, get rid of all the guns. Like, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's it. That's that can't possibly be the only or the answer. bullying too, because that's in every story is that he was pretty brutally bullying, bullied. The issues with his parents, the homophobia yeah, that yeah. was being projected towards yeah. him. We were on uh, Megan Kelly's program uh, yesterday. We're yeah. recording this on Wednesday. We did it on Tuesday, um, and uh, she brought up a point, to, which was news to me. You guys knew because you read closer, but that the Buffalo shooter mm-hmm. decapitated a cat. Yes. Yeah. I think his Before. mother helped him bury it or something. Yes. And like, which, which again, these those are both important <laughs> details. Actually important details. This is a boy in yeah. a mental health crisis whose parents, rather than getting professionals involved, yeah. are helping to obscure this and hide this. And yeah. who pays the consequences for that? Yeah. And also parents uh, of mentally uh, messed up teenagers, I've heard, 
Uh, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to you figure. Feel like you, sure. you lose perspective of where things are. Yes. Stuff is happening so weird so often that hopefully you're not burying the headless cat in the backyard and covering it up. But like you're, you know, it's it's difficult. I mean, to, to your uh, personal uh, case too. Like it's unimaginably difficult, and and I'm sure for you it's it's all the more like uh, infuriating because you're trying to protect people who like might resent your intervention in the without, case without a doubt um yeah. and uh and uh but the, there's another constitutional question here too because it's not just the one of the second amendment it's you know in red flag laws and who is the person that is allowed to determine that you should be committed right, right. i did a story in washington uh, washington state when they were um uh, they had one of these red flag laws and it was opposed at the time, by the way, by the ACLU, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NRA and the ACLU, because it basically hmm. gave, I think, a judge, uh, you know, they were saying, I, I think, I'm trying to remember, this was many years ago, uh, the, the judge had the power then to take away a constitutional right when you'd committed no crime. Right. And that was the that was the beef. And people think like, well, you know, I mean, you're saving, potentially save lives and everything. Well, it's a little more complicated than that. And you do have to, you know, look at the kind of, Slippery slope, and a judge. If you don't like that constitutional right, um, so that doesn't make a difference, right? You do not want judges in this position where they say, "Well, you that you can't have that constitutional right because I said so." And there was, I think, there was no medical. Uh, you, it wasn't. I think it was something. And again, I'm just trying to remember this. That there was, you didn't have to have a medical uh, doctor's uh, assessment. And there was a right. fear that it could be weaponized by like ex-spouses, I'm sure. family, like saying like, oh, he's, without a doubt. Yeah, he's terrible. As so are restraining orders. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Right now. It happens. They're yeah. all, but the thing about it is like, this is the painful thing of going through Twitter and heard. seeing this stuff is that, you know, there are all sorts of like complications in this stuff, particularly when it comes to like, you know, my husband is, I think he's violent. He has a gun and uh, he's done X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, the judge, you should take away this right. Like, even if you don't think this should be a constitutional right, it is Mm -hmm. at the moment. And I suspect it will remain. And so you have to deal with these things in a way that confines to laws. And that is something very different than saying within the Second Amendment, what should be allowed, right? Mm. I mean, what what does this actually mean? Can you have the bazooka, that old that right, old drug? Right, right. This is like, yeah, you just you can't just say you don't have that right based on the assessment of a family member who might be vindictive or an ex spouse who might be vindictive, whatever that might be. But it was a complicating factor, absolutely, in yeah. that in that law, which I think um, ended up passing too. Can, I, I want to ask a question about like. And maybe there's no question in it. I'm not sure. But but you said something, Matt, a moment ago when you were talking about the, the decapitated cat and mom who helped bury that cat, which is it's interesting until you until you put it that way. And I I read that and I knew about it. But until you put it that way, I just I didn't think about like mom's role yeah. in, in helping to kind of suppress the, the this thing and not helping to surface it not that she didn't do other things in other contexts to try and address this but in that particular narrow context like that was an opportunity to do something yeah um there's a sense in which like all of the grief police who are telling you how to feel about this and the proper way to emote about this publicly and the proper things that you can be concerned about in this particular moment whether or not it's fair to regard someone as 
objectively evil or, you know, they'll tell you, this is just pure evil. There's nothing to discuss. Yeah. Or this is just racism. There's nothing to discuss here. This isn't mm-hmm. about mental health. This is racism. Literally something that I, I was told um, because I regarded a person who would perpetrate an act of mass violence as a lunatic. And to tap to cat. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'd say that that's kind yeah. of lunatic You know, behavior. racism and lunacy can overlap. They could. And they often do. They could. <laughs> yes. but, but they're telling us that you can only talk about it in this yeah. one way. And there's a very real sense in which that metaphorical decapitated cat that's precisely what they're insisting on. Like we can't talk about these other complicated dimensions of the story. When Joe Biden lands in this particular place, because he's not, you know, necessarily going to the other supermarket shooting yeah. that happened, what, maybe a year ago or so, but he's going to this thing. And he's going there to talk about racism and the particular evils of racism and white supremacy. And there's a very real sense in which all of the complicated details, the factors that are so hard for us to talk about, yeah. the parents who find themselves in difficult situations with, with troubled children who desperately want help, who need help. The, the weird thing that this, this particular kid did where he was reaching out to people and friending them on Instagram and telling them, like, yeah. I have a secret. I'm going to do something where he's posting the pictures, pictures of, the of the guns, guns yeah. before yeah. he goes into the, maybe he's doing it for, to, to try to create some sort of mystery because he's just that monstrous. Maybe it's a cry for help. Maybe there's Stop a pattern me. here and there's an opportunity yeah. to, to be able to identify people who are in the, the throes of be preparing to do something completely homicidal and insane and, and heartbreaking. And I just, it just, it, it's so frustrating you know, that we men- can't have sophisticated conversations about this. Part of that is, and this relates to a shooting that happened five minute walk from here, uh, an assassination of a guy who lives in Park Slope, was just coming for Sunday brunch, taking yeah. the subway, yeah. Yeah. and a guy uh, paced around nervously and then they shot him in the chest and killed him on the Q train. Yeah. Um, that happened. It's crazy. Uh, uh, which is crazy. Uh, but what is that? We are witnessing in big cities, New York, even with uh, uh, a mayor who's just elected sort of uh, ostensibly to combat that, there is a, uh, a lack of uh, like the, people aren't even coming up with ideas about what to do with jabbering lunatics yes. on the street in public places where there are other people. Yes, my, that should be prioritized. My yeah. 13-year-old takes the subway by herself or with her friends. I was uh, coming back... Um, think last night the night's kind of like melt uh uh late in uh, or uh, from monday and you know on my subway car there's eight people three of them were sleeping and one of them was just screaming absolutely crazy things and twitching all over the place and it, what that was not extraordinary at all it's, yeah. and, and it, like there isn't i don't necessarily need a swat team to come in there but also like there is a uh an almost nihilistic well, what are you going to do about it happening in a lot of big cities right now? Um, it's certainly all over uh, parts of Los Angeles, uh, in many parts of New York still, and San Francisco, and plenty of other places that don't get that kind of attention. Um, we don't have a good answer to what to do with the beheaded I'm not, cat. I'm not sure we have. Yeah. I'm not sure in the subway example we have any answers at this point. Because, I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, politics and the politicization of this stuff obscures mm-hmm, mm-hmm 
is it's often very useful. Like, let's be honest. I mean, you need political solutions to a lot of this stuff. You need to go through legislatures. You need to propose bills, et cetera. Arguments, competition. Yes, absolutely true. And I don't want to say say that this is it and and only it. But one of the things that when you say things about the subway is a good example. And someone mentioned this. And I was like, man, what a fucking great point that is. And I forgot who it was. So I'm going to steal it. I'm going to steal it and try to get the part where you actually talk about someone else talking about this. This is my idea. Let's take a break. This is one hand it's not that <laughs> great like of an idea. It's just an observation in <laughs> yeah. the sense that, like, when you see seven people have been killed in the uh, in the subway system last year, mm-hmm. and I think as Peter Moskos had pointed out, I think 2017 there were zero, zero. Mm. and so seven, you know, still like you know millions of rides and the rest of it. And someone pointed out the interesting thing is what you just pointed out. We've I think we've told stories about this a million times on the podcast. Is that the fear what you get on the subway? Mm-hmm. You know, when we did our live show. I took the subway back to Brooklyn and I was fucking hammered and I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You know how I woke up on the subway? I fell asleep. I was looking at my phone. I fell asleep and I dropped my phone on the floor and loud and I woke up and there was like two girls across me laughing at me and I picked it up and I fell asleep and dropped the phone again. True story. Um, it's but, a testament to the safety of this city. Well, the funny thing is, is that um, this person had pointed out it's not the fear of being murdered. It's the fear of the regular harassment and that is so true. Oh, that's interesting. And on the MTA, someone is going to either directly harass you in your car on the platform or make you get off and go to another car. I mean, back when I moved to New York. Or put you in a situation where you try to intervene on someone else's behalf. Oh my God, that's the worst. Put you in the situation, says Camille and Michael. Subway riding anger bears. Well, I'm I'm Batman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm not like Christian Cooper. I'm the other Batman. (laughs) The good one. I just need to get bear spray. But yeah, it is that shit is like, that is often the case. But but to, you know, I was going to say something about the, Camille's point about the you know parents well you're both your points I mean it's very hard to do something about this right yeah I mean, you are you love your child you think you can solve this issue you don't want them going through a system that's brutal and that doesn't really care about them etc generally doesn't work De- and generally doesn't work is that you know there was I think it was Dylan Klebold's mother of uh, the Columbine shooter who after a very long time wrote about this and wrote a book about it and has given interviews about it, which are totally fascinating. Of that, like, you know, beyond the stuff of like people blamed me for this, um, and I think she's kind of understanding about that. Like, I get why you would, but um, here are the complications with this stuff. Is you know, it's it's pretty fascinating, and I, I just like you know, this is the thing that we do is that we don't you know aggregate all this material. We've I, I've talked about this a lot on the show. This one example, and we have a listener, a very smart listener, who came to the event. Uh, our live show, um, who goes to Columbia, and he's uh, in the history uh, program there, and he's uh, studying German history, and we have a lot of overlapping interests in these things. And he sent me a message. I haven't responded to it yet. I'm going to respond to you. But he mentioned this book that I've mentioned a lot, and it's um, by a guy named Christopher Browning, and it's called Ordinary Men. And it's a real breakthrough book in the study of the Holocaust. And basically, it, you know, the whole premise is right there in the title is that the people that were perpetrating so many of these crimes on the Eastern Front in 1940, 41, 42 uh, were ordinary. They were not committed Nazis. They were ordinary men. And why did this sort of thing happen? And that is effectively what 
you lose when you have all of these conversations on Twitter because you need to take a look at all of these people who are either ordinary in the sense of like people in Chicago who are just like not people who are affected by mental health crises, mental health crises at, you know, I would guess that's probably not the, the, the kind of default there. And the ones that do like these motivations don't just say, Oh my God, he played call of duty. Yeah. Seriously, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody plays Call of Duty and not everybody goes crazy. out and does this, right? Yeah. Pretty simple. So that's, you know, a, a, a correlation causation <laughs> Call problem. Call of Duty and Fortnite. And for, yeah, he played and Fortnite yeah. literally like every other child on earth, yeah, right? If, he, if he'd built like a 15 foot high blind in 15 minutes and then carried out an assault, then we can talk about Fortnite. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that will help us understand. That, like this is the shit. Like, I mean, we this needs some interesting study of what all of these shooters have in common, whether it is, yes, and you have to look at their media diets, their internet diets, et cetera, their home lives. It's all this stuff, the bullying, the school, mm-hmm. you know, there's gotta be some profiles that you can build up here. But, and, and this seems rather obvious, but it isn't obvious when you look at this stuff in the days in now, in this case, the day after the shooting yeah. in which nobody has any interest in that stuff and is saying, what is the thing that I hate and why can I, how can I blame it on this one? And I, I mentioned Paul Gosar, the repugnant um, uh, Arizona house member, right? And he said like, this was a trans yeah. illegal immigrant. And Jeez. it's like, uh, trying geez. to kill white people. Trying to kill, yeah, it was ra- kind of kill. I mean, like they were all, Hispanic, except yeah. for I think one person. And apparently, a lot of the families that that feed into that school are like border border patrol agents and stuff. Yeah, which I think was that the border patrol didn't didn't the border some people from the border, border patrol. I think they might have engaged. Engaged. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, was not shocked to hear that. Yeah, but like that kind of shit, man. I mean, it is disgraceful, and mm-hmm. he should be ashamed of himself. But this is he appears to be a man that has no shame. Before we before we pull off of this, um, Matt. I mean, and maybe you can speak to this. I I suspect there is someone listening who's like a staunch gun gun control advocate who happens to know that some of us are sort of strenuous Second Amendment advocates um, and we'll, we'll do things like go out and buy an AR-15. Um, in but, theory. But who, but, but who listen to this <laughs> and, and, and might interpret me um, and who will listen to this and might interpret this as, well, look, you're making a lot of excuses for why, you know, we can't do anything, perhaps. And I, I don't think that's a fair characterization, but it's certainly the case, Moynihan, that a moment ago when you were talking about this, you, you acknowledged like, yeah. Policy is kind of part of this, but sure, there's also 100%. just not a lot that you can do very it's, easily. Yeah, I, I think done. I think to the extent it is complicated, the fact that we're having there's a desire to have more sophisticated conversations about this and how hard it is and the limits of policy, even magical policy that might you know wave a wand and all the guns disappear, um, like the cultural shift that's necessary and the the kind of empathy and understanding that needs to be cultivated around mental health and families who are dealing with uh, a family member who is in a desperate situation, who, who has become dangerous. Cause in most instances, people don't just kind of start out this way. In yeah. my circumstance, like we grew up together, like known him. He's one of the most gentle people I've, I've known in my entire life. Yeah. And the fact that it can, it can turn into a situation where he is, potentially dangerous to, yeah. to to others like my family and others is just like even now i i don't know how to reconcile that yeah but it's also the case that as as someone who is interested in media who follows a lot of these stories like until i had to deal with it i hadn't even really i hadn't contemplated what that might be like mm. and i don't think most other people 
who yeah. haven't experienced this yeah. in some way have either. There, there's one um, part of the first half of your, uh, your question there that I want to latch on to, which is uh, culture. We used to talk about, and this, this category of people has shrunk into nothingness and in the abortion debate mm. of those who say they want it safe, legal, and rare in the famous formulation of uh, Bill Clinton. Yes. Uh, that was pretty normal, like 90s Democrat uh, thing. It's actually kind of my position on it. Um, and also make birth control, you know, over the counter and much more widespread mm-hmm. and do things to um, to prevent pregnancies and allow people to control their own reproductivity right. um, at the root. Right. Um, in, in which was a, a, an article strangely missing in New York magazines. This is something Nancy pointed out. Nancy Rommelman. Um, uh, they had like, Here, here's 14 ways to get an abortion now, you know, in New York because there's going to be abortion <laughs> tourists. She's like, what about the like maybe use uh contraception but um um anyways but there's but but one thing that that conservatives who for a long time have been on the losing end of a supreme court fight and that in, in that way there is an inter- there's an interesting parallel between the abortion debate and the gun rights debate because there's a big supreme court case hmm. that meant you lost more or less so conservatives they started chipping away at the laws but they also started talking about changing the culture right changing the culture having a discussion about how culture influences the uh, the choices that people make do you want to make abortion just sort of a breezy uh other way of birth control or do you want to say hey look there's other ways to do it that's not necessarily good for the culture uh i think that there is a uh uh a, an argument or a discussion that isn't happening as much as, as it could about the culture of guns. One of the things that makes America different than other countries um, is its level of violence inherent. The only really good Michael Moore documentary, I think, was the Bowling for Columbine thing, mm-hmm. partly because he went sort of openly looking for questions. Why does this seem to happen in America when you know Canadians have just as many guns? And he didn't really have answers. He had a couple ones that weren't, uh, I didn't think, very convincing. Lockheed Martin makes bombs. Lockheed Martin makes bombs and also <laughs> So like yes. everyone gets scared uh, because of the media or something, but like but <laughs> it was it was the bombing of Yugoslavia, former Yugoslavia, that made everyone <laughs> happen. So I think that. Dylan was Harris bizarre. was an issue of his. But yeah. I write about it frequently. <laughs> but was, I think there was a spirit of that document, d- documentary, which, which I uh, appreciated. One is that it, like it did point out that America has always been an unusually violent country when yes. guns were not available. This yeah. has always been true. It's not yeah. a, we shouldn't be bragging about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's 350 million guns. And I think that the, the culture that has grown up around the protection of the second amendment has often been, as was in the case of the governor Abbott in, in Texas, he's like, Hey, Texas, just get, this is not what he's tweeted yesterday. This is something he said, I think last year or the year before, Hey, Texas is now only, uh, has fallen to s- second place on the per capita gun ownership. Come on, Texas, we can do more. Like, no, that's not necessary. Yeah. Protect the amendment. It was uh, the Supreme court case that made this an individual right in 2008. Um, uh, so, like, uh, you know, if you care about constitutional rights, care about the right. There is nothing necessarily beautiful in showing videos of your seven-year-old shooting guns at the firing range. Um, having guns around the house is inherently dangerous. Most gun deaths are suicides. Um, they're suicides because someone had access to a gun. It's easier to get to the violent weapon. And boys in particular, 18-year-old boys, that's exactly it. Is there a gun around? Is it possible to figure out the lock on it, even if my parents are, are very responsible about proper storage of the gun? Um, get your hands on it. I don't think that it's a, a thing to celebrate that mm-hmm. there are 350 million guns. We are not going to seize them. It's not going to be Australia. Um, but let's also, uh, like, 
enshrine and try to, as people used to do a lot more in Second Amendment or uh, organizations, talk constantly about gun safety and gun management and not celebrate the damn thing on its own sake. It is a tool that is used constantly um, uh, and used in a way that leads to more deaths. It just is. So, like, use your gun, use your firearm to protect yourself and your family as you see fit. Also, be aware that you've introduced a thing in your household that is deadly and other people can use it. And, like, you have to be able to say that and have that conversation Instead of or in addition to like, I'm either going to grab all your guns or I'm, you know, you're going to take the guns out of my cold the, dead hands. Yeah. The on the other side of that. And I know we're going to move on to other stuff, but it's kind I, of a the, badass thing to say, though, Moynihan, what? like for my cold dead hands. Yeah. Like, I like I mean, <laughs> that was that was Charles, the great Charlton yeah. Heston uh, moment where he's I'm just, raised it, it. He actually had a gun. He yeah. There's it. a video of Charlton Heston from like 1988 uh, talking about the Reason Foundation does really important work. You should go find wow. it. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I would say the other end of that, I do know um, – a number of people, like a number of people, all very well educated, uh, good jobs, the rest of it, uh, apparently haven't thought this through, um, think that you can do that without consequence. Go and take people's guns. Yeah. Oh, no. But you can't read it. I, I mean, I just, want, I, no. I, I just want to say, regardless of what you think this, the, the complexion of this country should look like when it comes to owning guns and the Second Amendment and everything like this, is that the unforeseen consequences of that are so huge that I cannot imagine that anyone would say that with any seriousness. It, it reminds me in a sense of like, you know, let's go to Iraq. What could go wrong? Yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> and like, I'm not saying it's good that there's ISIS or, you know, the Mahdi army resisting, but it might happen, right? Yeah. That might happen. And like, I think that when people say, somebody actually said this to me recently, that, you know, like we just, we just get rid, we get rid of them. We yeah. should just, Take them from people. Will some and people like, fight back? I sure. Don't. <laughs> it's like you know how many Randy Weavers you're going to have in a situation God. like that. I mean, it's terrible and in unthinkable. And, and we just have to, you know, talk about this issue around that. You cannot use that as a, any as serious. And also, second point, it would be disastrous. Um, you are the same people, admit it, who wanted to end stop and frisk because it was racist. Yeah. So um, you got to pick a lane because <laughs> yeah. Stop and Frisk is an anti-gun program, you people. Well, it's also the the case that people that want, I mean, it is, it's funny. Like if you're not crazy, they want you to kind of like skate on gun charges depending on where you are. Because mm. I mean, the bail reform stuff is like, you know, people who support that. There are a lot of people that get popped on gun charges and get out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And the opposite is the conversation you hear happening after after a tragedy like this is that we can have, you know, no quarter for people who carry guns illegally, even legally if they're crazy, whatever. All of these things get rid of them and stop people. That is what mm. fills up prisons. And that I'm not saying don't prosecute people for this at all. I'm saying you absolutely should. But if you are going to take the position that we need to have fewer people in prison, we have to have, you know, you know, bail reform in the sense that if you get caught with something, you know, don't go too hard on these people. A lot of those things are gun charges. So, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but but somebody will surely tell me. I'm thinking we, we should talk about a few other things as well. Baseball? I mean, well, you guys went to a baseball game. Yeah. And you have some insight into this this controversy where someone is referring to themselves as Jackie Robinson and then other people say, hey, Jackie, and apparently yeah. that's racist. 
super racist. Uh, Matt, if you could explain, <laughs> you could explain. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. The, so is he an outfielder? Anderson, is he an first, is he a shortstop. I don't first know of all, is. first of all, we went to uh, we we went to a drinking expedition and a baseball game broke. Yes, I yeah, think that's was, yeah. <laughs> in literally, and it was 140 degrees. This is was, this is Yankee Stadium. It was, oh, the, it was the hottest day. So every year we do oh this little God, thing. Uh, Kennedy, you might remember her, mm -hmm. Camille from yeah, Fox I didn't get Business invited to Network, this, which will tell uh, you something. Um, <laughs> You don't live here. Uh, anyways, I'm we here every, a lot. I'm every year we go to uh, a, a Yankee Day game on the weekend, and Kennedy smuggles in. Uh, every year it gets bigger. The, uh, the there was a lot of booze. The, yeah. <laughs> the booze that she smuggles in a water bottle yeah. just yeah. gives some Casamigos, yeah, uh, tequila. It's really, really good. But by the way, talk I, about that. Can I, you talk about that? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I it's just like want to point out into all the Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is, by the way, a very bad idea. When it is ninety eight thousand degrees mm -hmm. out, you're sitting on like close to you know good seats, third she base, got, third base line. Tricked us out, and um, there's no coverage from the sun. You're just getting mm -hmm. beaten with the sun, and you're like, I just I'm so thirsty, <laughs> and I just keep drinking booze, which is like you know huh. like pickling me in the inside, yeah. drying me out. I'm like, I need more. I don't know why I'm so thirsty, <laughs> and I'm drinking more and more, <laughs> and then get up to go get more mixers, and a fight breaks out. Yes. Um, uh, a fight breaks out and we don't understand it at all because no. it's a baseball fight so that there's actually no fighting okay. it's uh, uh, a battle to the plate Josh Donaldson who's this guy he's kind of what we say in baseball is a red ass he just sort of like good player like was either MVP or as a finalist uh, MVP a couple of times I uh, used to play in Oakland and Toronto a red ass red ass means that he's just like it's usually a white dude doesn't have to be but almost always is um who just is like ready to fight and just like sort of hustles and he's got like uh, uh charcoal under his eyes and he's quick to temper and he's just like a, he's a tobacco just a red ass like he's mm. he's a little, you don't get red asses in like massachusetts <laughs> that's just like it is a I mean, it's geographical a, it's redundant very specific you get, i mean larry boa i don't know where he comes from but he was very red ass so yeah. just sort of like a little anger like ball of energy so josh donaldson is at home plate and suddenly he's having a conversation with the catcher uh yasmani grandal from the chicago white Sox, uh and uh they kind of are sort of getting in their face and they seem to be disputing about something and it was totally baffling not just because of all of the tequila that we'd had before including <laughs> at the yankee uh, what was it called the yankee river cafe or the yankee oh uh, twin something, cafe or something our, dangerous our listener craig mahoney please go there before every angel game including uh, or any yankee game yeah. but the angels are coming um he, he'll set you up uh but uh, so it was baffling to us watching this because, you know, usually a baseball fight happens when a pitcher throws at a batter. It hits him or there's some kind of scuffle like that. Nothing like that happened. So they start to coalesce. But keep in mind that you said, Donaldson, this is actually Tim Anderson who's who's the one. Who's, no, I know. I, yeah, okay, I know. But so, yeah. Yeah. so uh, much going on. Uh, yeah. Josh Anderson is the hitter and yeah. the catcher is mad at him and they're getting in there each other's faces. The benches clear, the bullpens, like, and again, it's 90 degrees on a hot day. They don't want to run all the way out from beyond the <laughs> left field fence. Um, and so they kind of run out. And Everybody's every, John Crook. <laughs> everyone congregates uh, and they don't really do anything, but they look at each other and yell for about five or 10 minutes. And we don't understand any of it. And we find, weird sport. find it's a super weird sport. Yeah. I love every minute of it. So we come to find out that Josh, the catcher was mad at Josh Donaldson. And the White Sox were mad at Josh Donaldson. <laughs> Josh Donaldson, the red ass for uh -huh. the Yankees. Yeah. Um, kept calling Tim Anderson, the all-star shortstop for the Chicago White Sox, kept calling him Jackie. Jackie. He's like, hey, what's up, Jackie? 
what's going on, Jackie? Yeah. Um, now, Jackie in baseball uh, is usually, in this case, definitely a reference to Jackie Robinson, mm-hmm. the heroic and fantastic Brooklyn Dodgers uh, uh, trailblazer, broke the, the color line in baseball in 1947. Um, so the reason why Josh Donaldson, was, who is white, was saying this to Tim Anderson, who is black, is because Tim Anderson, in, a, in an interview or an article uh, a couple of years ago, um, had said uh, the perhaps unfortunate statement, like, yeah, you know, I pretty much, I kind of feel like I'm the modern day version of Jackie Robinson. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a bit of a stretch. In what yeah. respect? Uh, in the respect that there are fewer black uh, players, black American players, uh, as opposed to black Dominicans who somehow don't qualify as black when we're talking about black players in America because uh-huh. of the very important racial uh, classification system uh-huh. that we have in They're our very brains. Sophisticated, yeah. Um, so uh, you know, and you know, dealing with with the struggles of life, and, and he's also a very good player. Is this, this is like a Black Lives Matter kind of utterance. Yeah, this is inspired by that. Yeah, I mean, he's okay. he's sort of like thinking about racial yeah. reckoning and, that makes and sense. different yeah. things in baseball. So yeah, he's just like Jackie Robinson in twenty twenty, multimillionaire playing a fucking game for a living. And, yeah, you know. So there are many Otherwise ways. Otherwise known as a thing that you definitely are going to be mocked for. Right? <laughs> there are many ways that Tim Anderson, who again is a very good player, is not like Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson is the best player in baseball for five years. Yeah. And those five years included Ted Williams and Sam Usher. Kind of, you kind of had to be. Uh, he was an absolute yeah. badass. He would I don't know anything about baseball, you. but I know this is true. It was a, he was a, one of the only four uh, sport athletes in NCAA history. Not only that, but he led the 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 what, the precursor to the Pac-10 basketball league in scoring as mm. a point guard. He was a national champion high jumper and he only or a long jumper and he only tried once or twice. It's like, like you always say, Matt, the Negro is naturally gifted <laughs> in sports. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you say that all the time. It must be the genes. So yeah, Josh yeah. Donaldson and baseball Weird, is like, he gets quiet when the mic's on. Yeah. He doesn't say as much <laughs> when the mic is on. Baseball is a trash talking game, yeah. uh, like long predating basketball, which is a very good trash talking game too. Oh man! Um, and it's it's an art. It, and is, pe- it is it has exceeded baseball it in has. terms of the quality of trash talk and yeah, and like the way that you can do it. But baseball has just always been you know they've had bench jockeying back and forth. Yeah. And so Josh Donaldson taking the piss out of a guy who would claim to say that he's like Jackie Robinson, so venerated is Jackie Robinson that every year on April. 15th every player in the uh in baseball wears his number 42 which is otherwise retired i mean he's he is also the meaning of life as close to as a saint sainted figure in baseball actually the you know they He's more complicated and interesting than his sainthood figure. So Josh Donaldson taking the piss out of Tim Anderson and calling him Jackie. Hey, what's up, Jackie? And he's been doing that for a while. And Tim Anderson uh, finally decided uh, apparently that uh, enough was enough and that this was racist. Um, and so, so also said Tony Larusa, who is uh, yeah. the manager of the White Sox, who's about nine hundred and seventeen, nine hundred years, years old, yeah, uh, years old, yeah. uh, serial uh, drunk driver, yes, right, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he's like, I can't. This is just racist and uh, and terrible. Um, and so uh, the, the Yankees and the Major League Baseball decided to investigate this incident of him making fun of a guy for saying that he thinks that he's Jackie. It's, it's sort of like an unearned privilege right. insult. That's right. That's how I imagine. I right. can't get into Josh Donaldson's head. I do know baseball. And I also know that no one is Jackie. Rod- no one has come close to enduring what Jackie Rod- Jackie Robinson got court martialed for refusing to uh, go to the back of the bus when he was in the army in the 1940s um, and went through this long fight that he was a hard ass mm. motherfucker. Tim Anderson great player is not Jackie Robinson. So Josh Donaldson taking the piss. This was seen unanimously in the sporting press and elsewhere unanimously as racist unanimously. And not just that when Tim Anderson. So the story comes out of, of this and like people are like us 
maybe a little bit less drunk we're trying to figure out after the game like what yeah, the what fuck happened? What was, yeah, yeah. Going over that? it's like oh they hear the story um and this is why stuff almost came to blows and so when tim anderson comes to the plate in the next game he's booed by the fans yeah this is again almost universally dave zirin in the nation of course but also will leach from new, new york, york magazine, magazine yeah. um like i am so the disgusted athletic, I think this guy writing the athletics something similar yeah. and i've liked uh, will's work over the years um uh, uh i'm so disgusted at that racist display by the <laughs> everything fans. is racist yeah by the yankee fans yeah um i'm just maybe i think by the way that uh tim anderson by the way has the last laugh here i think the second at bat third at bat hit a home run and then yeah. put his finger over his mouth like shush to you, which is great. That's, That's great. great. That's it's great. great. That's what you do. It's tra- trash talking back. Yeah. You want to fuck with me? I'm going to fuck with you. I just hit a home run. So okay? yeah, I'm Jackie Robinson. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's I mean, it's a fun, it's how it works. But the, the, the unbelievable thing, this was, um, I think it was in the Willie article, but he quotes this guy from The Athletic um, of saying, God, I have to find this here because it was like James Fegan. Do you know him? Oh said uh, that the Donaldson comment, quote, called to mind a long history in this country of racial minorities being derisively referred to by the names of celebrities of the same race, often implying that racial minorities are an, are an indistinguishable and largely irrelevant monolith to the person casting the insult. Now, that might be relevant had he just made this up out of nowhere yeah and just said what's up pumpsy like no that's not what he said <laughs> he was making fun of him for being a bit pompous that's yeah. what you do right i mean if it's so like it's willfully i mean these the are equivalent willfully to, ignoring this context the equivalent would be if someone were to walk uh, down the street and see camille and call say what's up denzel which Camille would like because he likes yeah, Denzel yeah, and, like, and they're both handsome men. But like, um, if a that, more handsome than him. But, that's but if he was, but if it, nobody's <laughs> perfect. But if it was done in a way where like you could tell it's sort of a tease associated with it, it'd be like, well, that's kind of random and out of nowhere. What's what's that all about? This yeah. wasn't random and no, out of nowhere. The yeah, guy no. said, "I'm There's a modern day Jackie Robinson." And he, he was, was like, "What's up, Jackie?" Piss take there. Yeah, but by the way, the funniest thing about this in in um, the context that we were walking into the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first 20 minutes of any Yankee game is a crush. I mean, Fucking 105 line. starts and there's 20 minutes of a crush of people trying to get in. Um, so I'm walking up the stairs and there's a million people there. And there's a cop at the top of the stairs. Mm-hmm. This cop is not white. I don't know what he is and nor do I care, but he's not a white guy. And... This guy is screaming on the stairs and he's like, keep fucking walking. And he's not even paying attention. And the, and, and the guy's yelling and yelling. And I'm starting to hear what the guy says. And the cop, and, and Kenny confirms, the cop was like, you can't scalp tickets here. And he's like, I'm not arresting you. And he's like, and the guy says like, this shit is racist. This is racist. The cop has the most amazing response. What did he say? It was not about him. Uh-huh. It was about society. Yeah. He looked at the guy and he's like, you know what? I swear to God he said this. He's like, people are getting pretty fucking sick of this. Of this yes. excuse. People are fucking sick of it. Move on. Yes. Keep moving. Yes. And the guy's like, fuck you, man. And like, just going. And he didn't arrest him. Yeah. Didn't harass him. He just had his hands folded and he was standing at the top of the stairs making sure yeah. no one was getting trampled. Yeah. And he was telling the guy to stop scalping tickets there. Guy was brazenly scalping tickets in front of a cop. Didn't arrest him again. But the most amazing thing is when he was like, People are getting kind of sick of this, and it was a non-white just, guy. Yeah, it he was. Pro- I mean, he was probably Bronxian. Bronxian kind of guy. Basic truths about the world. And I, I just it. thought it was so funny when he says like, "People are getting sick of this," and then 
four innings later uh, <laughs> than this huge company. And, and to, to cap this off, Donaldson was uh, investigated by MLB and uh, New York Magazine was very upset about this and said he got a slap on the wrist. He was suspended for a game and fined. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, but um, to frame that the way it was framed was um, dishonest, hmm. I would say. <laughs> I think that's dishonest. There's just not any room in this game for that kind of talk. I, I, I mean, look, this is to Matt Iglesias' um, silly tweet you know, about America. I'll, I'll tell you when you realize that things can be a lot worse is when you go to a sporting event in Europe. And I remember mm. I was in Sweden mm. and there was a black player on a hockey team, yeah. like a Sweden team, and they threw bananas, bananas at him. Yeah. This happens in soccer all the time yeah. too. It's like, I'm not saying, I'm not going to compare these things, but that shit's bad. That doesn't happen in the States. That just, I, I that mean, I, it does not. And I really, if it did, it would be. People wouldn't understand it. That would be like. <laughs> What's the banana for? <laughs> they'd be like, what is he doing? He's a good no, player. No, they would understand. Yeah, I think they'd understand. I, mean, I, understand. I'm, I don't know, man. Like, like even old-timey racist stuff like that. Like, really? Yeah. What? Yeah, and again, it's not saying that racist shit doesn't happen. It's person, of course it does. But, you know, when you're getting... Especially in Boston. That's, well, I mean, that's <laughs> Historically. A long, that's a long time Historically. Ago. Yeah. That's a long time. And, and, right. and we like I mean, Kevin McHale you know. because he was just a nice chap and a good right. rebounder. <laughs> now, and, you know, Robert Parrish had gotten arrested for the weed being sent to his house by UPS. Do you remember right. that? Right? Yeah. God, it's so crazy. I mean, imagine those people who got their lives, like, not ruined, but, like, fucked up in a way, and now are like, this shit's legal in Madison? You're going to go down to the store and buy it? And my, I was like on the front page of the Boston Herald for like three weeks because I got some weed sent to my house. You know, free Robert Parrish. <laughs> what is Robert Parrish doing now besides being awesome? He's got to be hawking like used cars somewhere outside of... I don't think he is though. Yeah? I don't think he is. No. No, because there was always everybody... Um, when it's I was true in, that when they do the little documentaries, you, you don't see him. No, he's not. No. He's not interviewed. I mean, all of the other guys were always interviewed. Chief, maybe. Chief, yeah. Did, did, did DJ is DJ dead? DJ died. Yeah. Yeah, he died. Dennis Johnson. Yeah. Talking eighties basketball here. Yeah, cool. he's a, a little, little guy. Little guy. He was. Uh, but how did he die? Of uh, a broken heart. <laughs> I think so. It's the redhead freckle. Syndrome. Yeah, that was. I love yeah. that. He looked. He looked great. Um, anyway, that's that's the baseball thing. What yeah. was the last thing we we're going to talk about? So there was well, two things come to mind. Yeah. One, I snuck out of the, uh, I snuck out and I went to see uh, Doctor Strange yesterday, the Multiverse of Madness. Which, what is that? This is like the new Marvel movie, and I I, I just want to just say this very quickly for whatever reason. It sucks. Um, Marvel movies are dog shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah Marvel yeah. movies at this point are just like glorified fireworks displays isn't amber heard in with, one of them with well she was no it was a marvel movie that's dc, DC and she had oh, a bit part in aquaman um, i thought she was apparently. a superhero that went around shitting on people's beds no. <laughs> she she actually kind of is <laughs> in real life you fuck with me i will take a dump in your bed like what what kind what's of the superpower is that? Of that dumpy dumpy <laughs> yeah yeah dumpster scat yeah. man yeah. Um, <laughs> scat lady come on well, you're yeah. right scat girl <laughs> you know me um, yeah. Is that scat girl? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Run! She's at it again. Yeah, she's shitting on my couch. Yeah. Like, but she's yeah. got a hardcore fan base That's too. Right? There's a lot of people into that. A lot of people. They're all German <laughs> and or Chuck Berry. <laughs> movie was so yeah, big in say, Germany. I was saying there's no one pooping on anyone yeah, in, in, in Doctor throat. Strange, but but honestly, it would have fit right in. Like these these are fireworks displays with kind of haphazard almost plots grafted onto them, um, and it just it. 
it boggles the mind just how shitty a film this is compared to like the original crop of Marvel Avengers movies and how much character development went on. Like they literally just throw some bizarre character who almost no one has ever read onto screen. And it's kind of like, yeah, there, there she is. She can do some shit. It's never quite explained, but you know what she does have on like a pride pin. And it is prominently displayed throughout Wait, most the of the superhero film. Has one? Yes, this young girl who wears a denim jacket. Her name is um, America America Chavez. In the name. movie, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. She's from another planet America. where her two parents are um, women. So my mom's, she sees them and they're like sucked into a vortex wormhole. I don't care if I'm ruining this movie for you. It's, yeah. I'm doing you a favor. Don't see this shitty film. Stop watching all of these movies. I want them to get back to feeling as though narrative and plot matters. And I, I worry because I was in that theater. America and Chavez were, is from a different planet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe she got her name yeah, here. Yeah. Again, Stan Lee and the rest of the Marvel. Marvel actually went through a whole thing before the the kind of woke revolution. Marvel went through a thing where they were just kind of minting these characters that's for precisely hilarious. these purposes. Yeah. Like that's how, that's kind of how we got Black Panther in the 1970s. It was in response to kind of the pro-black back to Africa stuff. He made up a fake, Stan Lee, a white man, yeah, made yeah. up yeah. a fictional African yeah. country yeah, <laughs> and yeah. he oh, gave so you he's the one who made up Wakanda. Stan Lee did that. Oh, okay. Stan Lee gave you Wakanda, Shit. and he gave you Black Panther. Oh my God, you're welcome. That is, <laughs> um, that is actually disgusting. But yeah, that is disgusting just, that he was appropriating a culture yes. and making money off of it. Yeah, and everyone has celebrated him and the film it's yeah. because this belongs to us. It's Fubu, yeah. except yeah, it's not Fubu. really. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. Just movie. The movie is shitty. I want them to make better movies, and I was I was disgusted. And I I wonder if we don't. Pride the kids, pin? there were kids. <laughs> no, the pride, I didn't know the pride about pin this. is fine. If you just want to have a movie about a pride pin, fine. I don't care. I, just tell me that that's what it is, so I don't give you my money with the no. expectation that there's a story. You know, it's, it's not that there's even a plot. That. He's and complaining there's some about the lack of that there's plot an arc, in a super yeah. that there's some stakes movie. in that thing. Seriously, the fights. So there you have it. It's right there. You can hear that little weirdness but um so if any of you want this you can hear all this great stuff and it'll just sound muddy but just uh drop me in line and i'll send you the muddy uh file and you can fix it or something because um we've tried and we can't so uh back to the program in the middle of a sentence from matt welsh in the wake of of trump has been very sort of loudly saying hey I I I like the New Deal, or I I, yeah, I associate sure. myself with the New Deal, and you know, and and certainly the anti-trade policies, and and strange new respect for Bernie Sanders and or yeah. Elizabeth Warren sometimes on a case by case basis. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it makes it more difficult to do that, and and like there's a the they want to attack the libertarianism within the Republican party. Hmm. Um, and so you means that you're against all that stuff. There's very little, the only uh, like uh, uh, spillover between the existing libertarianism and the party usually has to do with foreign policy. And there wasn't a lot of libertarianism in the foreign policy to yeah. begin with, but now actually that's, a, I think it's a real change uh, in the Republican party. Now we'll see what happens next time they get a president. Mm -hmm. But um, the only yeah, you sense hear foreign wars often a lot, a lot. Yeah. And like the sand and the gears to, you know, the next $40 billion. Here you go. Ukraine is uh, exclusively Republican yeah, and, and yeah, the language being used by people who oppose it. And they're not all just Josh Hawley and, and uh, people like that, um, you know, there are other re Republicans are picking up yeah. on that. So it's become part of a conservative identity. Now, I like 
lots of that part of that identity, or at least I'm glad that it's not as uh, interventionist as it used to be, but there's you know many other things about that identity I do not We like. haven't talked much about it, but I'm, I'm curious to know what you guys think, because, I mean, when Donald Trump was in office, one of the things that was most disconcerting to people um, was the fact that he would just say anything, as yes. you were alluding to earlier, yes, yes, point yes, ahead. Yeah. But Joe Biden, yeah, especially <laughs> since like the beginning of the year, like, yeah. He's kind of been saying anything, yes. and he's been saying anything about things that have pretty profound significance, mm-hmm. like U.S. foreign policy and antagonizing major uh, sure. uh, rivals of go, the United States. Go get him. Go Talking get about, him. Like deploying troops and assassinating heads of states. Not not kind of behind closed doors, and this is leaked by someone who is close to the president and who's concerned about his bizarre behavior. No, no. This is him mm. on camera in front of reporters just saying shit. Particularly somebody who is instrumental in creating American policy vis-a-vis Taiwan. Yeah. For many, many years. He was like on the front line of that stuff. I mean, is to the extent you guys had concerns about that with Donald Trump before, mm-hmm. like how concerned are you about it now under the Biden administration question, no. and what accounts for the kind of difference in perspective. <laughs> no one ever walked it back in the Trump administration. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's right. That's, some, you, but sometimes there, there would be walkbacks. I suppose in other cases, people were trying to like quickly kind of talk around it, but there was never, oftentimes when he would like openly muse about something or say something insulting about NATO, he says the thing, but they continue to proceed mm-hmm. with the current policy. Well, we yeah. learned in Mark Esper's book that he was serious about like, we need every U.S. troop out of Germany yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, bomb Mexico. And so, and uh, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt. There's a lot of like, uh, uh, um, boy, it really was terrible. I can, I can exclusively reveal now memoirs yeah. uh, dropping yeah. uh, every week. Um, but according to his version, Esper's version, they're like, okay, we'll get a commission to look at the impacts of shifting troops. So they just ran out the clock on it, right. basically. Right. And that's and that's how you took care of it. The Biden thing is interesting with Taiwan. I'm kind of curious to hear what Moynihan has to say about that. Because he's basically articulating what has always been the policy. But part of the, except for the fact that the part of the policy yeah, yeah. is to articulate, is yes. to never articulate that's that. That's exactly right. That was so he violated the rules of Fight Club, basically, with this. And... Yeah. And but also did it at a time when was it strategic ambiguity? They strategic mm-hmm. am- yeah. ambiguity, and but he did it at a time when there's a lot of discussion in both directions of how does China respond to the post-Ukraine thing. Mm-hmm. They could you could see them rationally saying, well, the U.S. ruled out troops to begin with in Ukraine and, and continue to say no, we're not going to have a no-fly zone, whatever. Cool, we get to have our sphere of influence. They're not going to do it. That's one interpretation. Other interpretation is. Oh wow! The world community is going to wreck yeah. our economy overnight, and, and China seems to be taking steps to try to mitigate against that. And China's a basket case right now. But there's They're not much a they can bad, do. bad yeah. time. Like the Chinese economy is in is in genuine like I want to use the phrase dire straits. I don't think it's distress going to implode for tomorrow, sure. but it's super fucked up. It's it's hard not to think that some of the COVID zero response and the lockdowns is not an attempt to try and distract of course, the domestic yeah, population sure. yeah. from this this horrible disaster of circumstance yeah. they have. Like the, the real estate property bubble there is unlike 
anything that we've seen before. Yeah. And the, and the, the, the company that uh, shit the bed that, you know, rattled mm-hmm. the entire economy was, yeah. was a uh, real estate company. Right. It's different in a few ways. I mean, I would say that the one thing, you know, disentangling yourself from China economically is harder than it is with Russia. Impossible at the moment, yeah. And, you know, you're going to cut off (laughs) the gas, we'll find out other things. We literally have nothing in the targets. Exactly. It'd be very, very, (laughs) very difficult. I I couldn't order stuff from AliExpress, my favorite website. Um, But the other thing is that strategically, you know, getting weapons to Ukraine is pretty easy because the western part of Ukraine has a big, you know, welcome sign coming from Poland, right? Taiwan's an island. That makes it a little more difficult mm-hmm. to actually, you know, you know, that just strategically has a lot of kind of different, and there's not a lot of space, too. I mean, used to always call Russia the great feather pillow. You'd invade Russia, you punch the feather pillow, and it just comes out somewhere in the back, because you can keep <laughs> going east, keep going back up, back up, which the Germans, uh, they did to the Germans, and then counterattacked and destroyed them, right? There's nowhere really to go in Taiwan. That's a, it's another thing. So I think they're thinking about this in that way. And Biden, on the other hand, is like saying, th- so here's the crazy thing. I looked this up. I was trying to find the exact quote. This is mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying to find the exact quote of what he said to that. It was the first question when he got off the plane in Japan. Yeah. And I Google it, and this thing comes up about him, them walking back the Taiwan policy from Joe. And it was from November. Yeah. He's done this before. Yes. And he's done it about three times before. And he just can't get, like, that is a point at which it's not even the verbal flubs. It's just like, when you have to walk it back multiple times, like, Joe, we already walked this back. What are you doing? He's like, oh, man, I got to protect him. got to do it. And it's like, we, you did this already. And now, and this is particularly a guy who doesn't, I imagine, know a ton about, you know, you know, uh, like CENTCOM in Africa or something, you know, Horn of Africa. He, as I said, was like when he was the, the chair of the uh, Center for Relations, Foreign Relations Committee. Committee, he was like instrumental in, in, in formulating America's policy. And particularly, he even said this thing about the one China policy, <laughs> which was kind of wrong too, in the uh-huh. sense that we, we, we totally agree with them on this. It's like, well, that's not really the policy. That It's like an accommodation with one that's China. Right. With one China, of course, means that there is one Chinese country, which includes Taiwan, and of course at one point Hong Kong too. But it includes, and he's like, no, we're fully on board with that. We're on board with that. And it's like, you also just said we would defend them if they, none of it, he makes a hash of everything. And so to the Trump thing, backing it up is that, that when he said things that were kind of crazy, it was, there was a part of it, and you have to kind of sort of separate out the policies there. Mm-hmm. There's a part of it where he would say crazy shit uh-huh. and off the cuff, and then he would make it policy. He'd be like, "Yeah, let's do that." I said, yeah. the, "Like, like I think that's where the difference between a mad king who's still like precisely. in charge of his mental faculties and a senile king." Yes, which, which in a very real sense, and this is just—it's not. This is not conspiratorial. Yeah, like it does not seem like Joe Biden is in control of I, anything. It's it, it, he's constantly on camera saying, "I'm not allowed to talk about this. I'm going to get in it's trouble." True. Like it it's pointed very, yeah. it's very weird. You saw the Tom Friedman article though, when he was like, "I About had uh, no." He was like, yeah. "I had lunch with him, and you know, all these people he's fine. Who say he's yeah. like, yeah, he's amazing. He's sharp as a tack." Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm, yeah, I'm wondering about you, Tom. Yeah, because you're another milkshake. About his, his, like his family or something. But yeah, when you say like we're gonna uh, shut down. Um, you know, uh, Muslims from coming to the country. Pretty sure that that was an off the cuff thing. That became yeah. policy. That became yeah, policy. Yeah. Like well, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. 
And it kind of, yeah. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was. He tried. He tried. For he sure. couldn't actually do it. It was. So he well, did a thing. That he was. was like he did, thing. and then he. It was, yeah, it's a mess. Legal child. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It was like but, the wall he was going to build. It was like, don't do that. That's stupid. And yeah. he didn't really do it. Yeah. Although he says he did. There's a there's a great <laughs> bit. Um, I really recommend um, everybody watch Shane Gillis's uh, comedy special. Mm. It is so funny. It's so unbelievably good. But he's a, he has a bit about going to the border. And he's like, there was already a wall there. And he's like, they built this shit? And like, no, it's been here. <laughs> it's been there. Like, we've had this here. And he's like, really? It's really, really funny. But, but yeah, Shane Gillis' special is really good. But um, anyway. Yeah. You got to roll out of here, don't yeah, you? Yeah, we probably got to wrap up soon. Because I got I to gotta go catch a helicopter to Cut the it. airport to get on the plane to go to the thing. Um, so we do. What we do? It's just so this Wednesday night. You do. It's Wednesday night. You know what I'm saying? I have to go uh, catch the F train where a man will be <laughs> defecating on the platform. Yeah. And I'll be like, this is my helicopter. It's like, like, I'm scat man, yeah, not yeah. scat girl. And he'll probably be doing a helicopter with his dick, you know, flying around. <laughs> He's like, helicopter? Yeah. Yeah. Man, don't do the helicopter. Oh, As Camille's man. like going over man. I'm like, oh, that's pretty. And I'm like, I'll that's not pretty. I'll wave to you. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. That's fine. I'll be underground. Well, you can He's wave for me while they're putting me on the gurney oh, and putting me in the back of the ambulance. What this is going to do is become like the Bomba thing. Like I'm gonna go take. Oh, the Richie, you're, <laughs> you're gonna take. You're gonna take yeah, the train. Yeah, and we'll make it. And I won't. Oh, yeah. you'll make it. And I won't. That's the thing. I thought we were. You'll make it, die. but you have to go through the ICU to get there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're the big bopper. You're not yes. Richie Valens. You're the big bopper. <laughs> I don't have the big. Do you share that? That you share that um, helicopter? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm it's not like chartering it. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a. It's like an Uber pool, but like in a helicopter. Yeah. I don't want to name the name of the of the company because I don't want to like help yeah. people find them. They should pay me if I'm gonna. Yeah. Do yeah, sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no. Let's try this. I think there's one it's company. Blade. <laughs> it's Blade. I'm gonna take yeah. a Blade. This yeah. is, I haven't done this before, but I'm, yeah. I'm interested because I, I actually like genuinely have some unique scheduling constraints. What is the flight time between here and Newark? Five, like five minutes. That's amazing. Five minutes. <laughs> where, and where do you get it from? Downtown? The seaport. It's it's. I'm. Oh, seaport, I'm staying, oh it's seaport like here. Fi- uh, actually, on the other side. Yeah, so on it's the like east 15, side. Yeah. 15 minutes from where yeah. I'm staying. So yeah, I'm gonna yeah, walk yeah. over there with my bags, get on a helicopter, five minutes to the airport. And yeah. then there's going to be a shuttle that takes me to the front door. And then, of course, so the like shuttle will be longer than the actual pre check. So I'll yeah. go through those with the breeze. And then when they call group one, yeah. I'll just go through and take my seat because. Yeah. Fly, can, I tell you, can, can I tell you a, a good scam? Yeah. You may end on some good practical, like, life hacker <laughs> advice. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. yeah life this, hacker advice. This Take scam. a helicopter and never fly coach. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you life, get that money? You figure advice. that shit I'm out. like Tony Robbins out this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, this is easy. Yeah. Have some money, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm telling What's wrong with you? Stop being poor. Yeah. You don't have to do that. Oh, shit. Did you see the guy that brought <laughs> the, the, the reverend? No. Who brought, you know, the guy who killed the dude on the subway? We talked about him. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that guy, there was like a reverend that brought him in. Oh, no. In like, uh, escorted him in. Who brought in the murderer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I think he negotiated. Oh, yeah, him. that's right. He, he, um, he went to his church. church or and he negotiated oh, wow. and he came in. Motherfucker drives up to the, to the police in Bentley. Uh, Rolls Royce. Oh yes, out with a Fendi yes. jacket that has the that's Fendi right. logo all that's over. Right. It. That's right. Yeah. And he's Reverend. You that's know, right. What's his name? Criff. Cruffalo and Taffy. Yeah, it was yeah. fucking crazy. World changers And he gets out and he's like, you know, yeah, we have to bless the man of God. Yeah, <laughs> we have to bless the man. I of can't God. remember this. Oh, but my life hack for your for how yeah. to act um, like you have good. In shit addition when you're poor. to be a prosperity pastor yeah. and <laughs> get as much money as you can for the parishioners, um, <laughs> you ain't give you ten percent. Fen- you think this Bentley fuels itself? I'm gonna literally uh, googling Fendi Rolls Royce. That will, <laughs> will definitely come up. The pastor who negotiated New York uh, City subway shooter 
uh, surrender is an ex-con. I didn't know that. Of course that. he is. Yeah. yeah the Fendi, he turned his life around. Fendi obsessed $350,000 <laughs> Rolls Royce driving ex-con pastor. That's right. That is, um, he used to be a criminal. Now... He's a criminal. Matt <laughs> yeah, yeah. Iglesias was right. Uh, I mean, I mean um, Lamore Miller Whitehead mm. is the founder of the Leaders of Tomorrow International Church yes, in sir. Brooklyn. Yes, sir. He was once locked up for five years in Sing Sing. I didn't know. Is that old? That's like in the 40s. It's old school, yeah. Shit, Sing Sing. Oh, my God. Uh, in 2006, he stole the identities of multiple people in Long Island. In 2006? Yeah, and in That's Brooklyn. yesterday. In a $2 million scam. Him, wow. The bishop who was ordained in 2016, he God recently, <laughs> registered his ministry as a nonprofit business in 2014. Well, nonprofit for everyone else. Yes. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Whitehead, True. you said it Bentley, he's yeah. in Rolls Royce. Yeah. But this is another uh, important uh, data point. Yeah, but he's got Whitehead, Whitehead, who has reportedly been seen in a Maserati and a Bentley. Yes, I also told you. allegedly <laughs> owes. $250,000 in loans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he showed up in a $350,000. Well, he owns that, owes that, not the church? Well, that's honorable. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't have to do that. Yeah, that's, and I want to show I mean, you. Seriously. I want to show you. usually they pick up the tab for your mansion as well. Yeah, that's, this is the subtle jacket that he's wearing. Yes, it does not sir. have the Fendi logo on it. Yes. At I all. like his eyewear too. Yeah, the whole thing is mm. looking, looking good. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, but here's my tip. But it's the white t-shirt that I love. It's the way yeah. it's, it's, it's a, understated, but you know that that's uh, Balenciaga. It's, the, it's <laughs> I think it's the Balenciaga uh, turtleneck. Mm. No, so it's, it's a, oh no, it is a T-shirt, but he has a, he has a Fendi shirt on underneath, which is another layer. Oh of yes, the logo. it does. My God, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, God, that is so tacky. Um, but yeah, I gotta get to my thing. He's like get, a guy. He's get, one of those guys with a bust down Rolex. Of course he does. Yeah, he's he got so yeah. tacky. That's not how you do it. That's not how you, <laughs> you do got it. That Rolex and playing three card. Never fly, coach, and don't bust down the Rolex, dummy. Well, if you want to get on first. I don't know why. Oh, it's no. very important for me to get on first. I cannot yeah. wait. I don't. I can't do it. Do you? Do uh, you? Do you steal valor, or do you pretend to have some sort of injury? Um, <laughs> which is which is worse? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I do have a Danish army coat that just confuses people, and they're like, "Yeah, go on." Yeah. Like, yeah, no problem. I mean, you said active duty yeah. military. Yeah, you're yeah. in U.S. You did not tell me where the active duty is from. Yeah. Um, no, get, make sure your ticket. Is a digital ticket, right? Yeah. Is it on your phone yeah. and on the app? Yeah. Particularly works at Delta. I fly Delta, so that's why I know. Yeah. When you go up and they I call the, you know, the Sky Priority or whatever. Yeah. You are putting your phone face down on the scanner. That's right. They are not looking because the priority boarding does not, you, you can be in 38F. But it does tell the seat number. It, yeah, but it doesn't matter. But it doesn't tell which section. No, you can be true. 38F and yeah. have status. So you go in. So you just go through. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'm there. I'm in the back by myself. I'm like in by myself. Rosa Parks in the back. I'm just like quiet. And I'm in the back. Like Rosa I got never went in the back. Yeah. That's the whole thing. You're not Rosa Parks. Well, but, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not for a lot of reasons. <laughs> I am Jackie Robinson, though. What's up, Jackie? Yeah. We're, up, we're all Jackie Robinson. Yeah, that's the thing. I think Come that's on. what he was saying. He wasn't that special. We yeah. could all be Jackie yeah. Robinson. We all be five sport, four sport masters. And but. if you dispute it or agree, you're racist. Yeah. I, yes, and we can go back and um, go back and look if you want to see some interesting Jackie stuff. Is his political evolution, particularly his uh, relationship and support of Richard Nixon, which mm-hmm. then uh, dissipated pretty quickly and uh, became an anti-Nixon type. I don't think he actually campaigned against Nixon, but he did campaign for Nixon at one point. I mean, he was more of for Nixon in like 1960. 60, he, yeah. he soured on the Republican Party because of Barry Goldwater and it's the civil right. rights. That's right, he did. That's too bad. 
So <laughs> I know you weren't around though. Extremism in the defense of liberty is is, is no vice. Yeah, nor is just, just bombing the shit out of Vietnam. We got it coming. Yeah. yeah. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Oh, okay. We're done. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were there. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. The fifth column.